0: Hello and welcome to the She Reads Truth podcast. She Reads Truth creates beautiful, accessible Bible reading plans and resources to help you get into God's Word every day. Each week here on the podcast, we talk about what we're going to read together as a community this week. I'm your host, Rachel Myers. And I'm your other host, Amanda Bible-Williams. And welcome back, Rachel. We Thank missed you, you very much. It's good to be
1: back. So glad that you're here. Friends, it is week four of Everything New, our first series of the new year. And it has been a journey. We are halfway through mm. this series. And we have a wonderful guest with us today, our new friend, Susie Larson. Susie is a talk radio host, the host of Susie Larson Live. She has written over 22 books, excuse me. Just a little. Just a few books. Mm -hmm. She's a speaker. She has won leadership awards. She is just remarkable. And I really
0: liked her. I did too. And I learned a ton.
1: We both, before we said goodbye to her after having recording our podcast with her, just thanked her for how encouraging she was. And not blowing smoke, she was telling us the truth
0: that's of right. God's Word. That's right. And I just can't wait for you all to hear this episode. Yeah, that's right. And I'll add, now, you who have listened to the first three episodes, I know that Amanda has faithfully reminded you of your homework, which is to get your Lent books in time for Lent to start. You guys know Lent begins February 12th, well, this is kind of a last call opportunity. If you're listening to this on the day that it releases, if you're listening to this episode on January 22nd, today is the last day to place your Lent orders with standard shipping. Now, if you are listening to this Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I would strongly encourage getting fast shipping. It wouldn't be too late. And then after that, you can still get your book. There's still lots of Lent Come ahead on. of us. Lent, as we say, is long. It's long. It's long. But get your books now. And in fact, we have a little discount code Lent 5, L-E-N-T, and the number 5 at ShopSheReadsTruth.com will give you $5 off your Lent Experience Bundle, and that bundle is the way to go, because yep. you're going to get both books, People of Remembrance and Matthew, you're going to get both 12 card sets, People mm-hmm. of Remembrance and Matthew, and we almost never do this, but there's a devotional book, so if you want to be offline during the season of Lent, then you, you can also just read every devotional offline in a printed book. So the Lent Experience Bundle, using code LENT5, L-E-N-T, the number 5 is $5 off of that bundle. Shop SheReadsTruth.com. That was so many words,
1: but necessary. We appreciate your we service, just, Rachel. We
0: want you to be able to have the experience that we've really thoughtfully curated for you and designed for you. And so yep. we hope that you will enjoy that because we've really put a lot of thought into that. And without further ado, let's get right to this incredible episode. Oh, Susie, welcome to the she reads Truth podcast. Super happy to have you here today.
2: Absolutely honored to join you, girls. Thanks for having me.
0: Well, I'm excited not just to get to meet you, Susie, but then also to get to jump in on this reading plan. In week four, those of our listeners who have been kind of listening all along, Mm -hmm. have noticed a distinct lack of one of the co-hosts. There's been a distinct lack of Rachel. (laughs) We've missed you. Welcome back. Well, I'm super happy to be back. I'm really pumped to dig into this plan and to get to chat with you, Susie, as we're kind of midway in the Everything New Plan. Mm -hmm. Amanda, for those who are jumping in where Susie and I are, the high level of this plan is would be what? There's so much in this high level of this plan is a hard thing to explain. In well, yes and no.
1: So, here's the simple version: is that Scripture promises, God promises, that He is making everything new, and we know that God, as Creator. His creation is good, right? Like we see that in Genesis, in the creation story, that it was good. right? And we also see in Revelation that it will be fully good again. Mm -hmm. And we have this promise from Jesus himself in Revelation saying, behold, I am making everything new. I am making all things new. And so we have just been digging into Scripture to see, okay, first of all, what does that mean? Yeah. And like so many times that we ask that question of something in Scripture, to get the big picture, we have to go back to Genesis to <laughs> see, right? Yeah. And so we have spent a lot of time in the earlier days of this reading plan in Genesis and Revelation to kind of start at the end, <laughs> begin, <laughs> begin at the end, and then to see, of course, how things were broken and how God has been restoring all things to himself. And last week, how that kingdom come to earth really begins in Jesus Mm -hmm. and in the work of Jesus. And so that's where we find ourselves now. And then what's like ahead for us in the coming weeks is that, you know, so we're taking this future promise And we've been saying, so what does that mean for now, kind of in this messy middle, right, where we live right now? And then we are also going to say, okay, how do we participate? Yeah. What does this look like for us as we participate? So Susie, we just kind of dropped you in the middle of this (laughs) series, and you are with us here in week four, and you've told us, like, you've read ahead in week four. How does this message, this promise... Of everything new. How does that sit with you just as a woman in the Word, as a Jesus follower?
2: I can't even express to you what it means to me. In fact, you grab my word, participate. That's what was a mm. theme for me as I read every single day's reading there's an Mm -hmm. invitation to participate. And I think sometimes in the kingdom, passivity passes for meekness, but they're not at all the same thing. They're from two different sources, you know, and I'm not a gardener, but I remember years ago when I thought I would try to be one and my husband (laughs) built this wonderful garden and we were sitting on the deck weeks later and it was, I didn't do anything with it. I mean, it was overgrown (laughs) with weeds and he's like, how's that going? And I'm like, apparently not well, (laughs) apparently not great. (laughs) I've done nothing. (laughs) And I'm not a passive person. And if you know my backstory. I've had to fight long and hard for my health, contracted Lyme disease 30 years ago during one Mm. of my pregnancies, and to this day still have some battles with that. And Mm. so I feel like I've had to fight for every inch. So every promise of being made new, every promise that we will get glimpses of glory in the land of the living to give us a foretaste of things to come, it means everything to me. And Mm. I think if you've lived a charmed life, where not much has gone wrong. Everybody has their troubles, but it does seem that some get through life and, and don't bump into a lot of trials, can tend to think, look to this life, for their story to be tied up in a nice bow, right? I mean, where we, we yeah. want things to just be resolved here, like a Hallmark movie or something. But those who've had tastes of sorrow, they know that what we've suffered now is nothing compared to the glory that will be revealed to us on that great day. We shy away from hardship, but I'm telling you, you walk through those places is where you get to know the resurrection power of God. And you you see in these passages that we're reading in Matthew, Jesus wants our participation. He wants yes. our stewardship. And yeah. if you want to dig in and you interrupt me if you'd like, but when he talks no, about go for it, about the soils, you know, I, I look at these three soils. They're not guarded, not grounded, and not given to the things of God. You know, the first one mm-hmm. is not guarded, where it's like the seed is sown, but the enemy steals it out because the person doesn't know about the treasure that's been received, and that might be, let's say, someone goes to church because they ought to, they think, right, and the word is sown, but they don't treasure it. They don't see it as life giving that could absolutely transform them from the inside out, and so they go on their way, and the enemy snatches it out, and they don't even know that there's been a theft. They have no mm. idea because. There's not been a value with it, right?
0: Yeah, and then
2: the not grounded is they may receive it with joy, but it's one of many things. You know, the person is like, I really ought to do this more. But then they go on and they have air amnesia, or maybe they're not in air, Mm -hmm. but they're not grounded in the things of God. They don't have depth. And then that third person is not given to the things of God, where things are choked out by the cares of this world, the pursuit of wealth. But then when you look at that fourth soil, the opportunity Mm -hmm. for flourishing is unbelievable. I mean, when we are in the kingdom of God, we're in a kingdom of multiplication, and we need to know that because it's always exceedingly abundantly above and beyond. And if we can nurture the words of God and treasure the voice of God in our lives, we will see a flourishing, and that doesn't mean life is all perfect, but a flourishing of our soul, a transformation of our lives that could Mm -hmm. not be accomplished any other way.
0: Susie. Hmm. Yeah, I love this. <laughs> i just like taking notes. Yeah. And, oh, it's
2: gonna be one of those. So I'm gonna go. Not back.
0: guarded, <laughs> not grounded, not given to the things of God. I think that's so compelling. And as you both yes. mentioned, that like participation and even Susie, as you also talked about, just like, are we longing for the kingdom to come? Like, are we longing yeah. for the kingdom of heaven? Or are we, you said it, like, is there a charmed life where there isn't really a a longing for? resolution for all things to be made new. And I think that that's like convicting and compelling and inviting all at the same time. Yeah.
1: It does sort of feel like we've discussed this from a few different perspectives over the last few weeks as we've walked through this reading plan. And so, you know, sometimes it feels as Christians that we can put all of our kind of eggs in the basket of the future, where it's like, well, my hope is heaven. Mm -hmm. And my hope is heaven. My hope is heaven, yeah. And also that hope Mm -hmm. permeates my my right now life. Like, I'm a citizen of heaven right now. Yeah. So that's a thing that we have to remind ourselves that Where Jessica and I talked about in week one, the first episode of this series, was that You know, when we're talking to those who are maybe new to the gospel, that a common kind of objection or question could be, sure, you know, there's life after our life here on earth, but what about the life here on earth? What about now? Because I'm hurting, right? Mm -hmm. And then there's also the perspective where we can invest too much in, in our right now, earthly happiness, right? Mm -hmm. And we are keeping in mind the things of the kingdom and of heaven. And so what I've appreciated about this series and this reading plan is also what has challenged me, which is that we are really trying to look at both because it's all part of our Christian life. Mm. And it's been difficult to talk about. It's
0: hard to find the words, but it's been fruitful, I think. I was in Exodus chapter 3 this weekend and and there's a little sentence that stood out to me that's so relevant. It's, you know, God meeting Moses at mm-hmm. the burning bush and he says, "I've seen my people. I've heard their cries." And quote, "Yahweh says, I am concerned with their suffering." Mm. That like And we know, like, Jesus, God, Holy Spirit, this is the Trinity. And the Trinity is present throughout all of Scripture. Not Mm -hmm. only are the Old Testament and New Testament best friends, as I like to say, but there is one God, and Mm -hmm. that one God is concerned with our suffering, and not just is concerned with the completion of all things made Mm -hmm. new, but the ongoing making new of us and our bodies and our spirits, just all of it. Amazing. Yeah. Thank you,
2: Lord. Mm -hmm. Yes.
1: Mm. You all will get to read parables this week, especially today on Monday. You'll read just from Matthew 13, just a series of parables. There's so much gardening, Rachel. I
0: know. you got to (laughs) know. So, Susie, you said that you garden, but you're not much of a gardener. I am just a big garden nerd. And it's funny, so many of the things that we read in Monday's reading— Are the verses that I'm quoting in my head as I'm gardening? And not even like directly, but just like knowing that, like, you know, the parable where, you know, the sower sows the seeds and then the enemy sows the weeds. And that it's decided, like, that the good seeds will grow up among the weeds so that they're not disturbed. And I make literal, like, in real life decisions like that on a regular basis, where I'm like, if I pull this weed, is it going to disrupt the root of the pea or of the carrot? Or like, <laughs> And I'm in my mind going, like, what are you teaching me, Lord? What are you teaching me? Because gardening isn't just a thing that I've noticed is related yeah. to the gospel, but the gospel, like Jesus here, uses parables to teach the kingdom on repeat. Hmm.
2: Yeah. You know what jumped out at me about that when uh, the weeds were sown amongst the seeds, the, the evil uh-huh. people amongst the people of God? I have a little note in my Bible that says, the enemy doesn't just subtract, but he adds too, because mm. he doesn't just take things from our lives, but he adds things to our lives if that will serve to choke mm. out the life of God in us. And yeah. that just gave me pause to think about. I mean, I know they're talking about literally, you know, having these two grow up, the wheat and the tares grow up together, and they're talking about the kingdom. But it did make me just mm-hmm. serve as a metaphor to think about, are there things he has subtly added to my life that don't belong there? So, just a thought.
0: I mean, if you think about John 10, that he comes to kill, steal, and destroy, mm-hmm. so there is Is subtraction, but that destruction can often be addition, like you said. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I
1: appreciated or noticed in, we read a few verses from Luke 16 in Monday's reading, and Jesus says, the good news of the kingdom of God has been proclaimed, and everyone is urgently invited to enter it. That's right. And goes on, but it is easier for heaven and earth to pass away than for one Stroke of a letter in the law to drop out, but that everyone is urgently invited Mm. to enter it. Mm. You know, I hear that urgency in your voice, Susie, that, you know, your passion for the kingdom of God and for understanding the bearing of the kingdom of God on our earthly living, right? That passion in your voice is contagious. I hear it in this, in Jesus' words here too, that everyone is urgently invited to enter it.
2: Yeah, we're called to live with the holy expectancy. And Jesus said in in Luke's gospel that if I find you doing my Father's will, I will put on an apron myself and serve you. That's the Susie Hmm. Larson paraphrase. But you think about, (laughs) you know, with me having to work to get my brain back, I just, I studied a lot of brain science, had experts on my show, saying to my listeners, I hope this is interesting for you, but I've got some questions here about how (laughs) to recover my brain. But one thing I learned that was fascinating is that it's like vitamins and nourishment for your brain to look forward to something with hope. I mean, this oh, wow. we are so fearfully and wonderfully made. Our hearts can't live without hope. And mm. so the idea of, of living with a holy expectancy, Jesus' return is closer than it's ever been. The birth pangs, as far as I can see, are closer together than they've ever been. Mm. And we are image bearers. So to be living yes. about His business seems to be mm. of utmost importance, more than ever before.
0: Yeah, mm. yeah. I love hearing about, well, first of all, that like flourishing for your brain is to live with hope. I think that that connects with me Mm -hmm. a great deal. I, last week, spent some time, my husband and I, went and met with just a few leaders, but to kind of really get together with the team at Radical, David Platt's organization, Mm -hmm. and to really start to talk and really learn, more listen than talk, right, at first for sure, about those unreached portions of the world that have not yet heard the name of Jesus, who have not yet heard the gospel, who have not yet had a church established. Or, I mean, we've talked about Illuminations a lot, the Bible translation organization, who don't have scripture in their native tongue. And it was interesting. I mean, there's a lot to say about that. You know, on one hand, if we kind of looked at a world map— as either red, green, or yellow. The green portions of the map would be reached portions of the world who have heard the name of Jesus, who do have churches established, who have Scripture in their language. Red parts of the world would be those unreached, the opposite of that. And then the yellow is, it's a transition, like either Mm. they're on their way to green or they're on their way to red. Mm. And it was three days where we, you know, huddled in a room, 30 of us, and just prayed for the spread of the gospel to those red regions. About 40% of the world would be considered red, according to those statistics. And, you know, radicals, one of their mottos is, red means go right? Like, wow. go and preach the gospel, which was really compelling. And and I love that our She Reads Truth community, most of us live in a green zone, yeah. but at the same time, looking at maps of the world and going, well, that was green. Like, during Paul's missionary journeys, he participated in turning all of these regions green, but now they're red and yellow. And, you know, just kind of having that conversation around, what does the future look like for, let's say, the United States? Currently green, are we in danger of becoming yellow or red? And that's, you know, what I love that we get to do as She Reads Truth. And Susie, I'm sure you're like participating in this as well, just that like compelling the already reached to reach for their Bibles and to not just hold our ground, so mm-hmm. to speak, as a green zone, but to then take a non-diluted gospel to the red zones, like mm-hmm. a true rooted mm-hmm. gospel. And in this conversation, there is a point here, although all of this is relevant. No, it's interesting. We talked about hope. And to look at the map and to just get people who are concerned for the kingdom in a room and to know that there are hundreds of rooms like that all over the world who are concerned for the spread of the gospel, and to really look at what is possible, that perhaps the Great Commission could be fulfilled in our lifetime, that for the first time in human history, that the world map could be all green." and like if you want to talk about living with hope and being compelled and like the participation we've talked about like to bring the kingdom of god to earth and to participate in that mm. i mean i came to staff meeting this morning and i was like guys guys like we got to talk i'm so <laughs> excited like keep going what That's we're doing good. is good and let's keep doing it and let's keep going so i want to be participating in the kingdom mm-hmm. i want to live with hope and susie you're doing the same Mm -hmm.
2: Well, you know, I've been wondering about the drift. You know, why are there so many apathetic Christians? Because we may be a green zone, but there is a massive wave of apathy of of Christians who admittedly are saying they're not engaging in the big story. They're numbing out by entertaining themselves to death because the bad news is just so bad. I can't really handle it. So I've got my Netflix and and I'm not saying this in judgment. I'm not at all. But what I'm saying for me, when I look at just my spiritual disciplines wane and they become ought to. And should do's, and not a get to, it's always because I've lost sight of my first love. It's always because I've forgotten that I'm loved, that He loved me first. I feel Mm -hmm. like it begins and ends on love because in Ephesians it says, to know this love is to be filled with the fullness of God. And you want to be with people that you know love you. And people who are drifting from God must not be convinced that He sings over them, that He loves them, that He is the answer to every question. You know, He is the source of life. He's the creator. And I think if we could ignite a revival, it would be to ignite a spiritual thirst for Him. You know, I think because I think in the West, we've made our walk with God so transactional, like God is a means to an end and I want to get all the stuff that I want to get. Mm -hmm. You know, transactional relationships don't last, but He's our greatest gift. Any gift from His hand pales in comparison to knowing His heart. So to get back to that place of not only loving Him, but living loved and knowing that you're loved, I think would ignite people to want to be with Him, which then I think will ripple out to a lost people. Because I think that spiritual hunger is contagious. When someone lives with a twinkle in their eye and a spring in their step, even through hardship to go, this is hard, but my God is good. I know Him well enough to know that the enemy will not have the last say in my life. I will be the one still standing after this. And that's what I'm praying, even a revival of love, you know, Mm. makes a comeback. So.
0: Amen. I love that. Mm-hmm. Are you feeling that spiritual hunger at least a couple of times a day? Mm-hmm. Are you longing for the kingdom to come? Yeah. Are you feeling that Thirst thing that is yet fulfilled, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I would add to love life. I mean, you said it, Susie, that. You know, that it's also that life that is inherent. You know, for God, they're inseparable, right? Love Mm -hmm. and life. Mm -hmm. He is both, and He brings both. And on Tuesday, we'll read 1 Peter 1, 3. "'Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of His great mercy, He has given us new birth Mm. into a living hope.'" Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And I just was reading that verse kind of over and over a few times and seeing like there's life three times in that single verse, like new birth, Uh living hope, resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that, you know, in Jesus, you know, what we're learning in this reading plan is that what God did through Jesus, bringing Jesus from death to life, that is what he is doing for all of creation. And so that's been a really powerful image for me as we've been walking through these passages, that the resurrection of Jesus, yes, that is, you know, the finished work of Christ is something we boast in as believers, right? That there is nothing that we can add to it. And at the same time, that is In one sense, the beginning of what God is doing with the rest of creation, Mm. us included. And Mm. so that resurrected life of Jesus is in us. I mean, we'll read about the Holy Spirit a little bit later in this plan. And of course, Holy Spirit is everywhere in this plan. But it is so powerful. And you're right, like that hope is like a, you know, it's a fire. Yeah, It's like there's a, where there's a spark, you give it some yeah. oxygen Come on. and it's
2: going to grow, right? Yeah. You know, if you don't know what Jesus. One for you on the cross, you won't know when it's missing or if it's been stolen, right? And a friend of mine says that we all have a pattern of theft in our lives where the enemy conditions us to believe his lies from very young so he can ride in and ride out and steal from our lives without us ever even knowing that we've been stolen from. And I think the life that you're talking about, really, the life to the fullest, it's again, it's to the point where you're living in such a fullness, you're living love that even when the storms come, you're not shaken by the storms because Mm -hmm. you know that you know that you belong to God. And it's like, you know, John 10, 10, I think one of you referenced that, that Mm The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Mm -hmm. Jesus says, I come that you have life and life to the fullest. It means spilling over. And you Mm -hmm. know people like that, where you go, I can't even figure out the stuff they've walked through. They're still standing. The enemy is sorry he messed with them because they have joy. (laughs) They got a spring in their step. They know God's word. And that's possible for all of us. But I think if we could get super honest about what is keeping us from that life, what is keeping us, you know, can you honestly answer the question, I'm saved and I know I'm loved. I'm saved, Mm -hmm. and I'm going from freedom to freedom. You know, I'm growing in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus to the point that it's changing how I show up in life. And I would tell you, a lot of Christians would admit, no, but there's stuff in their basement, in their soul, or there's been theft in their lives that they maybe haven't dealt with yet. And I think Mm -hmm. as you start to really go, God, search me and show me and know me and -hmm. allow Him to redeem and restore some of these things in your story, you will be—it kind of goes back to the parable of the soil—you're cultivating an atmosphere. For growth, that soil mm. is a cultivated soil, the 30, right. 60, 100 time. And that, again, full circle, requires our participation.
1: Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It is not just I'm holding out for exactly. for heaven. It is a very much a right now reality for us as believers. You know, we'll read in 1 Corinthians 15 where Paul is saying how crucial the resurrection of Jesus is to our faith. That's right. And, you know, this is something that we read, especially around Easter time and thinking about the resurrection of Jesus, and hopefully more often than that. But one of the verses that I feel like we tend to quote a lot in the church from 1 Corinthians 15 is verse 19, if we have put our hope in Christ for this life only— we should be pitied more than anyone. And so, of course, Paul is talking about that the resurrection from the dead is real, right? Which is very countercultural to his audience. And I mean, I dare say also to ours, (laughs) right? For right now in our culture. But I was looking at that statement from him, if we've put our hope in Christ for this life only, we should be pitied more than anyone. And I also wonder if now, as we've been discussing, but I just apparently can't get enough of, if the reverse of that is also true for us that like if we put our hope in Christ for our future life only mm-hmm. then we should also be pitied right because we're missing out on the abundance mm-hmm. that Jesus taught about and that that he came to give us
2: life Amen. It makes me think of the other parable of the talents, because if you're yeah. only living, if you're only thinking of that to the point where nothing you do on earth matters, you're just hunkering down, biding your time till heaven, you will be the steward who buried your talents, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I mean, truly, when you show up and you feel like every step here, as they say, is a step there, when you mm-hmm. are cultivating that life, John Burke wrote it this way. He says, Earth is a compressed time capsule, taste of heaven and taste of hell. One day it'll be pulled Apart. So you do see glimpses of glory. In fact, you think about it every good gift is from God. That means every belly laughter, the lemonade Mm -hmm. stand on the corner, that wonderful sunshiny day out at the lake with your friends. Every good gift is from God, from a father. If you picture it with a gift tag to you from God, that's Mm -hmm. how much he loves you. You get tastes and glimpses of glory of heaven Mm -hmm. here on earth just to help you acquire a taste because you are a part of a kingdom from a father who loves you. And yet you see the evils of this world too. That should make us long for heaven. So it is yeah. the now and the not yet. And mm-hmm. I think that is the messy middle, but I think when we live in that tension, it calls for stewardship, it mm-hmm. calls for worship, it calls for gratitude, it helps us not give up hope. You know, when we can say, surely I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, mm-hmm. when we declare that over our lives, and then mm-hmm. we do see it, we can help others have hope who need yeah. hope in the yeah. land of the living.
0: I love that we keep bringing up John 10, 10. I don't even know that it's a reading for this week, but it just feels, like scripture speaks to scripture, right? And yeah. as you, you know, as we talked about that, he's come to give us a life of fullness or abundance. And Amanda, you were just like life, like mm-hmm. as we found it in First Peter. And I looked down, even Psalm 71, there's this one line, it says, But you will revive me again. Mm-hmm. And like those words indicate a minimum of three moments of giving life, right? Cuz revive means a second of giving like a giving of life and then a giving it again and then we use the word again. And so to look at that and just go like, "Lord, revive me again. Revive me again." Like there is this like promise that like that we not only have received life from him that he has made us a new creation, but that life comes from him over and over. Mm,
2: yeah. Can I circle back and interrupt me if you need to, but I was thinking about the, those three soils, the, the not grow, did not grow, did not yeah. given to the things of God. And I was thinking as we were preparing for today that those soils, so much of that could be solved in the context of godly community, because mm. godly community does Amen. you know, correct and reflect and redirect and all those things, you know? And then you're talking about, you will revive me again. I think there's something, too, about godly community where oftentimes that happens. I've been doing something, I did a Facebook Live on this recently. Just hopping on a lot of Zoom calls to pray for people with focused, purposeful prayer for one person. And it started because Mm. a group circled me because my health was so bad. They said, We're not giving up. We're going to get with you and we're going to meet with you every week on Zoom. We're going to pray for your Mm. healing and restoration. Until you're symptom free. We're not giving up. And through that, it's ignited me to gather. Like, let's say I was getting a prayer gathering for you. I would say, tell me who your most fiery people are. I don't need to know them. Let's get on a call. We're all going to agree together and pray for you. And so I've been doing that a lot lately. And I, my soul was sad over something in my life, something in my story that I wish were different. But I hopped on a call for a friend who is facing a cancer diagnosis, and I don't know anybody else on the call except her and one other gal. But as people were just speaking into her life, like a lightning bolt, one of the things one of the young men said to her shot through my spirit like a force. I can't explain Mm -hmm. it. And instantly, like a light switch, I was full of joy and faith, and it was like, it was solved for me. Like None of the Mm -hmm. circumstances changed, but I was infused with so much faith that I'm like, you've got this, God, and Mm -hmm. joy returned. And I just want to invite people to really consider that. You know, I kind of picture it like these little power grids where you get a cluster of people. Even if it's 10 minutes, can you hop on a call and then merge people in? Let's just all focus on this person right now. Let's pray, or let's go around the circle. And pray for one thing each. But if you start to kind of come into community like that, you will start to experience some of that. I mean, God can do it in silence, in solitude, and that's most times where He meets me to revive me. But I just felt like I needed to say that for those who've been maybe isolating, Godly community is significantly important right now.
1: Yeah.
0: Amen. yeah.
1: Yeah. I think so often that isolation is the work of the enemy. Yeah. You know, as we've been talking about his tactics, <laughs> some in this conversation, I think that is a powerful one because we can really convince ourselves of a lot. When we don't have the voices of people who know us and love us and, and know the truth speaking back to us, then it just, yeah, I, I agree. That is so, that's so powerful. And you're right. I mean, it's like Rachel said at the, you know, saying like the Lord, Maybe this was in the prayer before we started recording, but that, you know, God, you could do all of this without us. Mm -hmm. (laughs) His power is not limited to our participation or lack of participation. He's not like
0: wringing his hands and hoping
1: that... We'll get the job done. Right. But we're invited to participate. And so talk about those sparks of faith that really can fan into a flame. A lot of times, like what you're describing, Susie, that is where those sparks ignite, Mm -hmm. you know, in those moments where not just one or two people, but just a group of people really act in faith with no guarantee of what the Lord will do. But just because we trust him and we go to the one, the only one who can do the thing that we're asking for. You know? And we're changed and we in go that together. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely.
0: I mean, speaking of being changed. It's one of my favorite passages in Scripture. I think it's day 24 of this week's reading. It's that kind of back half of 1 Corinthians 15 where we read oh, yeah. about how we will all be changed. Yes. It's a, changed in a different context here. But getting to read about you know, the nature of the resurrection body, I remember probably 10 years ago sitting back and reading this just going, what— Like, just—we know how Scripture came to be, like, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit into human writers. And so in this context or in this situation, it's Paul. And I just—I don't know. Like, I sometimes like to, like, sit back and think about the big picture of things. But, you know, thinking about, Paul, how did you know? Like, what was that communion with the Spirit like to be able to, like, now describe to us and for our benefit as, you know, the church today Mm -hmm. this, you know— this reality of a resurrection body and what questions are really worth asking? What questions can be answered now? What questions will we not have answers to until glory itself?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in the way he describes it is
0: so powerful. Right. So
1: powerful. For even in verse 42 of 1 Corinthians 15, so it is with the resurrection of the dead, sown in corruption, raised in incorruption, mm-hmm. sown in dishonor, raised in glory. Also, pause. There's more gardening happening here. (laughs) Oh, let me tell you. Let me tell (laughs) you. So so the seed Mm -hmm. has to fall to the ground. And die. Right? Mm -hmm. And die. And that's what's being described here. Mm -hmm. Sown in dishonor, raised in glory, sown in weakness, raised in power, sown a natural body, raised a spiritual body. If there's Mm -hmm. a natural body, there's also a spiritual body. And it just keeps on and on that we're going to bear the image of the man of heaven and that we will all be changed. Mm -hmm. And yet, I mean, there's also where we're not just, at some point in the last few weeks, we've talked about how like, I think it was with Kelly, mentor, she was saying like, I don't think we're just like floating around up in the sky. Like there's a physicality to our glorified spiritual bodies that we have to look forward to. And you've already said, Susie, how much that promise means to you. Yeah. You know, on the Wednesday reading, we see the resurrected Jesus appear to His disciples, yeah. and He still has. I mean, one of the ways He says, hey, look, it is me. Look at my hands and my feet. Look at my side, mm-hmm. which means His scars are still there mm-hmm. in His glorified body.
2: Yeah. It's just mind boggling You know, as you were talking I was thinking about, well, about eight years ago, my younger sister's husband died of pancreatic cancer, and one of my daughters-in-law was fairly new to the faith, so she asked questions about heaven, and I realized I don't know near enough about heaven. And I started to study that and, of course, invited the Lee Strobel's and the guys like that on my yeah. show, Chip Ingram and all those guys. And one of the things that I learned is that heaven will be a sensory explosion. Anything mm. that you've tasted down here is a foretaste of things mm. to come. <laughs> Any visuals you've seen are mm-hmm. a foretaste taste of things to come. I mean, our senses will be on fire because we're going to see and taste. All of our senses will be engaged because we will see Him and we will know Him, and we will see all that He's been preparing for us. But right now, we do operate at times in weakness. We do fall down. We do trip up and fumble the ball. And when I go back to that first part where these guys were hiding behind fear walls, you know, they were hiding behind locked doors for good reason. And I've had Mm -hmm. my own battles with fear. So, I loved that Jesus didn't just walk through the door. He could have done that. He Mm -hmm. walked right through the wall. I love that so much. (laughs) (laughs) I just like, just because he can. But he pronounces peace, but Thomas wasn't there. People in the contemporary world call him Doubting Thomas. And I wrote in my book, Closer Than Your Next Breath, I did a whole chapter on this scene because I said, are you sure he's doubting Thomas? Might he be traumatized, Thomas? Or, Mm. you know, just because he needed a different experience with God than the others did doesn't make him a Mm -hmm. substandard Christian. I mean, John saw the empty tomb. That was enough for him. But what's amazing to me is Jesus passed through the walls again when Thomas was there. And what did he do? Did he pronounce a curse and say, you're out of the room? You know, you're out of the group? You know, he said, Mm -hmm. peace again. But then he did say, blessed are you who believe without seeing. So, he was inviting him to an upgrade in faith, but he didn't kick him out of the group. He didn't shame him or shun him. He gave him an experience with an encounter with God. And I think that is just so powerful because he says, because you have seen me, you believe, but blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. So, there's always this invitation for more. (laughs) Like, he does want to give us encounters with Him in the land of the living, but He always invites us to an upgrade in faith to go. So when you go through those seasons where you can't sense me, you can't hear me, Do you still believe me? Am I the same God? Mm -hmm. And I Mm -hmm. think at times, I'm not saying that He's weaning us off of experience, but I think at times He allows us to go without experiences to test our faith, to say, is it made up more of substance than emotion and gooey feelings and Mm -hmm. moving from one sensational event to the next? No, it's undergirded by something so much more. And He's teaching us how to walk that out with Him, and from with eyes of faith, knowing that a day is coming when our knees are going to buckle right underneath us, when we Mm. see all He's prepared for us. I mean, oh, the day that will be.
0: Amen. 1 Corinthians 15 probably many other parts but Amanda you mentioned from verse 36 mm-hmm. you know where it says what you sow does not come to life unless it dies like we were talking mm. about seeds there it is i knew it was there yeah, somewhere yeah i knew you knew but then verse 37 and i've always loved this and i i believe i maybe wrote about this in an editor's letter a while back or i can't remember when but that verse 37 that says and as for what you sow you're not sowing the body that will be but only a seed perhaps mm-hmm. of wheat or another grain and here's the thing like we're talking about gardening and we can't avoid it because first of all we love to talk about well, gardening God's and second about God's gardening. talking about gardening so it's great. <laughs> but Susie think about that like if our bodies and when we die and are buried are just a seed of what our resurrection bodies will be of our eternal bodies like if you picture a sunflower seed and it's a beautiful little thing what mm-hmm. a great little seed that's me right? And I'm planted in the ground, and I must die so that I can come to life, right? But then think about that resurrection body and that comparison, like a sunflower seed. I shared with you, Amanda, and maybe, I don't know if I shared this on a podcast or not, but last spring, I planted ranunculus corms. They're called corms, not seeds. I can't explain why, but it is like— sounds smarter, fancier. (laughs) Google it. They're the ugliest seed. Oh, okay. Like, just truly, like, they look like an octopus that dried up.
1: I won't tell them you said that. Yeah,
0: (laughs) but... One of my favorite flowers. Oh, they're
1: so beautiful.
0: A ranunculus. All those
1: petals. And so when Mm. I
0: read verse 37 and ask for what you sow, you're not sowing the body that will be, but just a seed, perhaps a weed or another grain. What's going to come out of that seed once it dies and comes to life is going to be more glorious than the seed that you planted times a thousand. Mm -hmm. So I love to think about my body and my present suffering and all of those things. Mm -hmm. And Susie, like you shared, like the things that you want Christ to make new in you. Mm-hmm on this side mm-hmm. of glory mm-hmm. and also knowing that your body is a seed and that the glory that waits for you is a ranunculus quorum to a ranunculus yeah. times a million. Yeah. It makes
2: me want to cry. I mean, it also ties to somewhere in this week we read Ephesians 2.10, for we are his masterpiece, yes. his Amen. work of art. That's and right. you, know, you think if when we die and we're sown in weakness, but we're just a seed, think about how fearfully and wonderfully made our bodies are. I mean, even the psalmist David said, you know, yes. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. My soul knows it very well. I mean, the fact that you walk in from a dark room to a light room and your eyes automatically adjust to light without you doing anything. When you go exercise, mm-hmm. your heart rate rises and you cool down, it comes back down again. Your body digests food. And I mean, you think about, we are fearfully, meticulously, miraculously wonderfully yeah. made. And this is seed portion of what we're going to see. Yes. That Again, that should keep us in perpetual expectancy, I think. And you hope. hope.
0: Yeah. And hope. Yeah. 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 I love it.
2: I don't want to skip us too far ahead, but I'm going
1: to, (laughs) because on Friday, the title of Friday's collection of readings is, You Are a New Creation. And as you guys are working through the daily reading guide, there are little paragraphs to kind of set up the readings for each day. But one of the sentences in the one for Friday says that you are evidence of new creation. As followers of Jesus, we are evidence of new creation. Hmm. I get that, and yes, I understand that on a spiritual sense, right, that I have died and I no longer live, but Christ in me. It's so powerful to read that and the scriptures that teach that, right, from Colossians and Ephesians, like you just mentioned, this is where we get Ephesians 2, on the heels of reading about our glorified heavenly bodies, which are not wholly unlike our right now bodies, everything you just described, Mm -hmm. and to marry those together and go, oh, wait. So I am evidence of new creation spiritually, but also physically, because like it or not, my spiritual self, my spirituality happens in my body. (laughs) (laughs) Like I cannot Mm -hmm. escape my body. And so I feel like something that the Lord is teaching me and very slowly and gently, Mm -hmm. (laughs) so as not to scare me off, is that my physical body right now, as it is, you know, fearfully and wonderfully made, but also part of the brokenness of creation, you know, subject to suffering, all the things, that my body does not have to be opposed to my life in Christ, right? Like, it's not like, me and Jesus against this mortal coil. Yeah. Like it's oh, not so that. Good. You know, so. it's that it's mm. that no, it is by his design that I am walking around mm-hmm. in this body, and it is not something that I have to overcome. You mm. know, like it is part of how I live out and participate my Christian, and participate. Praise God, thank you for this body so that we can be the actual we talk about it being the hands and feet of Jesus. Yeah. Well, Use your hands and feet. I'm going to need those. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I just, I don't even know how to articulate it well because I'm still very fresh. But I have a feeling that this is something that you have worked through some as well, Susie. Oh, my
2: goodness. I'm just like hopping on the inside. I just, (laughs) I can't even tell you how much I love what
0: you're saying. I'm just like learning, listening to both of you right now. And I'm even just looking down in the reading guide. There's sort of an extra on pages 128 and 129 called Your Present Identity. It's sort of like a chance for us to go... Here's what we know will happen, and also we don't have to wait for who we are in Christ to become true, because there are some present realities that Scripture tells us are true. We're not just telling each other, like, hey, I think you're great. Like, no, Scripture tells (laughs) us. I do think you're great. Thank you. (laughs) And so if you have your reading guide, digital or physical, in front of you, like take some time this week to spend on page 129, and find, I am wanted, John 17. I am found, Luke 15. I am chosen and holy, First Peter 2. I am God's coworker, First Corinthians 3. I am a branch on his vine, John 15. It goes on and on. And I just love that it's not just like, here are some things that we want to encourage you with today. But like, mm-hmm. go to these scriptures. Like, know that this is true, can be counted on, isn't going anywhere, and isn't exclusive of anybody. Yeah. These are the things that matter. I am
2: a child of God, First John three, Amen. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and it's not positive thinking or positive no. thoughts; it's redemptive right. framework, mm-hmm. redemptive. It's throwing out anchors. <laughs> come on, yeah, come on. It's so much Amen. more yeah. powerful mm-hmm. than yes. that. Yes. Oh yes, it's
1: so yes. much more powerful than positive thinking. Mm-hmm. You all, you have such a journey ahead of you this mm-hmm. week. This reading plan—I've said it. I'm going to say it again. It is so rich, mm-hmm. and I will just confess to you that there are times where I've gone well, this is complex. Sure, me too. But just keep pressing in because it's complex because it's rich. Mm -hmm. And at its core, Rachel, I think you said earlier, it's also really simple Yeah, that Jesus is making all things new. That is around us. That is in us. Mm -hmm. We are just beginning to attempt to plumb the depths of what that means and all the ways in which that truth permeates Mm -hmm. our faith our right now lives, our world, our bodies, our future reality, all of the things. And so I just want to encourage you to keep reading and let... The Lord is going to make this journey through this reading plan whatever it needs to be for you. Amen. You are on a journey with Him, and you are part of the body of Christ, Mm -hmm. and we are in this journey together. Mm -hmm. And also, it's very intimate Mm -hmm. between you and Jesus. And so... Just keep going. I want to encourage you, and I want to encourage you, Susie, mm-hmm. <laughs> with this part of our Friday reading, 2 Corinthians four sixteen. Therefore, we do not give up. Amen. Even though our outer person is being destroyed, our inner person is being renewed day
0: by day. Amen. That's our reality. Amen. Amen. He is not going to make all things new. He is currently making all things new. That's right. And He is not making all new things. He's making all things new. I'm grateful for all of that. And Susie, I'm so grateful that we got to have this chat with you today. Thank you so much. Well, you two
2: are fantastic at what you do. (laughs) Just really, may the Lord bless you and keep you and make His face shine upon you. Thank you for what you're doing for the kingdom. It's really spectacular.
0: Thank you for that blessing.
1: your testimony, Susie, is so powerful, and Mm -hmm. we've only gotten just a taste of it here. So... We'll encourage our friends to find you in all the places after this. But I'm encouraged to know you and to have had this hour with
2: you.
0: Yeah, Thank you, my
2: friends. Thank you. So good Mm -hmm. to meet you.
0: Well, friends listening, that wraps week four of Everything New, and that means come back next week for week five. But... Between now and then, you have the opportunity to be a woman in the Word of God every day this week. And scripture is laid out before you. We've done the curating. We've pulled it together. Mm -hmm. You've got your reading guides. You've got it on the app and the website. And this is your chance not just to listen to the three of us talk about our experience reading these scriptures, but for you to experience these scriptures for yourself. Mm -hmm. And then I would love to know that you're having these conversations among your friends and the body of believers where you are How is Christ making you new? And what is that testimony for you? Because every one of us has a testimony. And then, like I said, come back next week. Week five, we will be here. And until next week, Susie, what do we tell our friends? Keep opening your Bible.